Back in this figure, it's been breaking back and forth. So let's just remind ourselves of, of, of some of some basics. Um, we're learning here the halachos in Saudi base. We're learning the halachos of siluk. We're learning the halachos really of a woman's rights when she comes into marriage and the options as far as protecting her assets. Now, it's worth just widening the application of this of these halachos because till now we've primarily been focused on Azibukshani because that's when it's mostly Nagia. It's mostly Nagia the Shaila. If a person's married in a first marriage and the husband dies and leaves everything to the first wife and they have children and then she goes and gets remarried without writing the relevant stars. So we run the risk that her the assets which are effectively the assets of the first husband can all go out if she's Niftar before the second husband will all go to the second husband, he's Niftar, they'll go to his children, and the first husband's children will effectively lose the entire estate. That's what the concern is here, which is already brought down in the Mishnah, and we're, and we're dealing with what works, what doesn't work, how does it work, etc. And we're going to do a quick Chazor of all that, just to get us back in the Nyonim, and then in the, in the weeks ahead, we'll go into some of the more Gishmak Alomdus involved in practical applications. But I think it's worth just reminding ourselves of a, you know, second marriage is Boshem don't happen that often, Boshem, because most couples Boshem married hopefully for a long time. Um, but there is a scenario where, where this could be very nigir. And that is, if during the course of a marriage, a wife either earns her own assets, has her own assets, Yarshans and her husband, you know, goes in her name or whatever, no one says anything, etc. There are times when we come across situations where a wife writes a tzavor, where even if she's in the terrace before her husband, it goes to her children. There are times when we, we do find that, 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 you know, again, if there's a certain average size estate in, in most families, then there isn't enough to start distributing assets to children when one spouse is still alive, because you never know what that spouse is going to need. But when you deal with people with larger estates, then it's not completely unheard of that, you know, the husband might have plenty of assets of his own, and the wife doesn't need to leave her assets to her husband, because he's got his own assets, so she wants to divide it between her children. Sometimes, she wants to give more to her daughter, because her daughter was much nicer to her than her daughter's-in-law. Her children, I mean their children, their correct, their children. So even in the first marriage, same children, etc. It's not unheard of. Right, like that, that example which I said before, I've come across cases where uh, she wants to give it to certain children who need it much more than the others. You know, most of the children are very comfortable. This one or two, you know, one or two of the children really desperately needs it, and she wants to give it to them and help them. Uh, the husband's estate that will get divided equally between the children, but she's got this tricking cop, or she wants to give it to her favorite one. You know, well, you know, it's not these things. It's not that they never ever happen. They, they're, they're not common. They might be more common in second marriages in that scenario that we talked about before. And there too, we have a shaila. But Edson, in the scenario, a wife writes a tzavah and um, she gives it to some children and those children won't know they're allowed to take it. Now let's say that the, the, at that stage when, when she's in terrorist, the terrorist, her, her husband's an old man and, and maybe he's in the old age home, he does get involved, doesn't get involved, maybe he doesn't even have, he's not about Das anymore. But but Edson, he's the Yerush and there's nothing she can do to stop him being the Yerush, nothing. He can do something to stop himself being Yerush, but she can't do anything to bypass his Susyusha. As we keep saying, it's unique, this situation. Every other situation, 
a moirish, a person who is going to leave behind the Yerusha in his lifetime, can gift away his assets if he wants Mechaim. He can write a Tzavar that would work if it's done properly Mechaim. He can do all of that. Except for a wife. A wife, even though on the one side there's a certain weakness in the Schus Yerusha of a Baal, because he's only Yarshan's Muchsuk and he doesn't Yarshan Roy, as we'll come back to that in a minute, but the strength of the Yerusha Sabal is that he's got certain Schus in, in, even in the lifetime, but Etzem, he's got like a Shibbutz on her to inherit her, apart from the rights he has to Paris of her income, of her assets, a separate source that is Nechse Muluk, is a source Yerusha, which Ba'etzim, if she sells a property, he can be Mavatl the Mekach, etc., etc. So, he's got such a strong Koyach, that if she writes a will, and he doesn't do anything, and maybe he's not even with doing anything, then Ba'etzim Pashtus, Minastam, if the beneficiaries of that will, even if it's Halachit Tzavor, have no right to take the money. Because it's not Chal, and really, therefore, when she dies, everything goes to her husband. On her husband's side, depending on what he did with his, with his estates, if he wrote it, Savo, if he didn't write Savo, if he didn't write Savo, it goes to his sons, not his daughters, etc., etc. So, why are you speaking when he dies, when she, when she dies? What about Machai, if she did If she gifts it away. If she sold whatever it is. So, if, if she sells something Machaim, and the husband's privy to it, and he allows it to happen. And let's say he's already, uh, well, let's say, in old age, and she earns. So, and she and she buys and she sells. So again, if in her, if during the lifetime she has a property portfolio and she's buying and she's selling and he's allowing her to do that, that just means that she's trading in it like she's trading running a company and he allows her to run a company. That doesn't stop him yarshining her company. But if when he gets old, when he gets in, he gets put in old age, she carries on earning and selling. So again, that is she, is she entitled to? So there's, there's, there's two part, there's two parts now. Mm-hmm. If a person buys a property, sells a property, and we use the money to buy another property, so they're trading, right? So they're trading like any property company. So if he allows her to run a property company when they're married, that, there's two shiders. What happens to the income? If when he's married, if when he's baldas, he's with it, he allows her to run that property company, right? It's not unheard of women who have their own property company, right? If he allows her to run that property company, so there's two nukudas. Number one, that means that the income in that property company, but at um, he's got a schus to it. She hasn't said, forget it, I'm feeding myself, keep, don't feed me and I'll feed myself, I keep my maizidayim. They haven't said that. So, but at um, Alpidin, he owns the maizidayim, but he allows her to spend like most husbands allow their wives to go shopping and, and whatever. And that doesn't mean he's relinquished his bailas to it. And therefore, even when he's in old age, if he's not a baldas, She's in t- she's mechuyiv to be su- he's mechuyiv to support her so she can keep living off it she can't start gifting away properties because that she never had the schus to do but all of that let's say in the lifetime he allowed her to give matonas to the children and that was matonah from both of them all of that is a separate parasha from Yerusha Yerusha is a dim if not me so no Yerusha would be'etzim if 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 when he was a baldas. He never allowed her to some gift away properties. That that never happened. So she's got no right to do it now. And she does it, but some but at some he could undo the sale. Even though she she did she earned she she bought him now the income after he was in the old age home. But that that, that, that it's his income and she's supporting herself from his income. He owns that income. I know we don't talk about it, it's good to Sean Bias not to bring it up. But but at some so the other Yoshim couldn't object to it. 
hundred percent. His Yoshim. His Yoshim. His Yoshim. Whoever his Yoshim are. Correct. Correct. And that and that is but some like I'm saying, is more common than second marriage with children from the first and children. That that can happen. Now I'm just going to go back to a side point here because I, I realized as thinking about we hadn't been married this Nakuda. I'm not sure how far we've gone on the point I just mentioned, Agav. The the chesaron in the Yerusha of Abal, as we just said a minute ago, is he only gets muhsik and not roy. Right? Now, the classic, practical, modern-day shaila about muhsik and not roy is what's with money in a bank, which we mentioned this about 12, 13 years ago. So it should be fairly fresh. 14? 14 can be. Time flies, yeah. Um... Money in the bank. So again, classic roy is a chayv. If money is owed to, uh, so we're used to muhsik and roy primarily when we speak about bechor. Bechor gets pishnayim only from muhsik, not from roy. That's the more common halacha of muhsik and roy that people know about. And there, if money was owed to the father, um, e- even if it's owed to him with the shtar and he's nifta, bechor does not get pishnayim on a chayv because it's, it's called roy. Muhsik means assets which he has. Debts is not assets which you have as a it will legally will be looked at as an asset. In, sorry? Now, money in the bank is the subject of a big machalikas of Heinz Kapoiskin. goes back a little bit because the banking system it didn't just begin now. But some how we look at money in the bank. On the one hand, uh, you go to the bank and you get your money, one would think, you know, within a certain amount at least, guaranteed. So it's maybe a bit more secure, maybe. Bit more secure than a balchay, but on the other hand, it's not better. Right? We, we people have learned the hard way when we seek out money in the bank. It's not sitting in a safety deposit box. Uh, that means the bank owes you money. And nowadays, befrat, it's all electronic. There's you know, the money isn't even anywhere. A lot of the money It's just hopefully no one calls the money all at one go. Otherwise, everything plutzes. So the etzim it's mamash roy, and Moshe brings down the roy. Many places can bring down the money in the bank is roy. So a bal doesn't get. On his wife's bank account. But, but, Wamza was a joint bank account. Now, this Shaila goes both ways. Right? And, and it's, it's a very, this is mummish, extremely common. This, this particular Shaila, or should be common. Most people don't think about it, don't talk about it. But the scenario is extremely common. It goes both ways. Most husbands and wife have a joint bank account. Right? They might also have separate ones or not, as the case may be. I know that some husbands get extremely insulted if you ask them, do you have any bank accounts in your name, just your name without your wife? And, and, and some families, that's fakir. They don't even have a joint bank account. They've agreed between them that she pays for the Christian thing and then he pays for this. And right, everyone, whatever works for them. But, Lemaisa, most husbands and wife have a joint bank account. Now, here's a shayla. We've said multiple times, many, many times over the years, that a wife is not a Yerush and a husband, Minatin. She's entitled to be supported. She's entitled to stay in the marital home as long as she's not remarried. And, and, and those are entitlement. But she doesn't eat Yarshan. I mean, I tell you, she's not a Yarshan. If he writes a Tzavah, which type of Tzavah, we've been through all. But that's she doesn't Yarshan. We've discussed that the marital home, if it's held in joint tenancy, which most marital homes are, even though many people aren't aware of it, if we ask them, is your house in joint tenancy or tenancy in common, they'll say, uh, Right? But the Maisa uh, is mostly held in joint tenancy. And as we've discussed, the longest of joint tenancy is that each one owns 100%. If one of them leaves, then the other one's left holding 100% that they were always holding. And, and that's 
the easiest way to legally explain it, how we halachically explain it, is is a problem. But that's and that's the that's the way it's understood. So we've said, and I'm sticking to this. I was challenged on this fairly recently, but some I don't know of any person which would be moitzi from a wife, a, a property which was held in joint tenancy. That means, to be clear, if a husband's nifter and he has a will, and let's say he doesn't give it all to his wife, whatever it is, the wife, if the house is held in joint tenancy, then the property belongs to the wife. It's nothing to do with inheritance, nothing to do with probate. It, it just goes to her, because she was always holding it. They were always both holding it. He's no longer here. She's holding it. It's 100% hers. Which for the average uh, yid in the kehillah, the marital home they live in might be the, the biggest asset they have. Right? So, ironically, the biggest asset a person may have may be nothing to do with Hills Yerushan and Savos, yes, Savos, Padra, not a Padra, because it might go automatically to her if he's lifted first. What's with money in the bank? If you have a joint bank account. So, you know how he was also Mufti Khan of the Kerala. Mm hmm. So, you know, how does it work? So, yes, yeah, so but he's not here. But he's not here. So again, you're asking, how does it work? How does it work that she should get it? Yeah. Practically, the CS is legally, if two people purchase a house in joint tenancy, when one is nifted, the other one's left owning 100%, not through inheritance. There's no probate on it. It's not through inheritance. It was theirs, they always had 100%. Each one had 100%. Okay. What you're really asking in Lomdish terms is it's not shy halakhically for two people to own something 100%. That's what you mean to ask. It's not really shy for each person to own 100%. And therefore, each person must own 50%. So what happens to his 50%? How does she get to have his 50%? His Yerushim should get his 50%. And don't tell me Dinah Mkhosudinah. I don't say Dinah Mkhosudinah, correct. And also, what about the money that the wife has? That's a separate shayla. That's a separate shayla. That's a separate shayla. Let's go through each part of the state at a time. So... There's a number of potential answers to that Shaila, none of which sit brilliantly. I'm not going to pretend any of them are amazing. But bottom line, you're coming to Moitzi from her, I don't think anyone's going to tell you you can be Moitzi. So you want to hear different shots and how it could work? You could say that Michaim, when he purchases a property in joint tenancy, it's like Mitzlechaim Dibrahames, because he's making a statement, because that's what joint tenancy means, that if I die... 100% of it is yours, and since legally he's put it into that vehicle that she's holding it if she dies, like, like Rapato says on a will, so she's going to be left muhsik in it and holding it, and that could be even sufficient. That could be one mahalach. Another mahalach could be that, that um, as so, a kin... So you mean, because a genuine Mitzvah Kamdivamesh would work without, without any... Mitzvah Kamdivamesh needs that at the time when you put it in the Yad Shlish, you are mashish with this instruction. If I die, it goes to you, or goes to someone. And that you have. Now, no, the, and, and then when she dies, she's the shlish. You're saying, I want you to, 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 to keep this. You wouldn't go to his Yashim at all. Correct, correct, mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. When he dies. Even though he had half. Because he didn't have, because when they bought it, they bought it in such a way that they each legally mustak in 100%, and, and in a way that it goes to the other and automatically, not Madin Yusha. <laughs> Except that Shachat Zohar, you need to say Shachat Kodimisosi, and here you're not saying anywhere Shachat Kodimisosi. Like I say, I'm not, I'm not pretending, I'm not trying to forget you that it works well. It, it, it's not Gishmak how it works. You could say uh, that Kinyasi Tumta, it's been purchased in a, in a, with a Kinyan in a vehicle that goes to you. I, I, can't, I can't explain to you properly how it would work, Meister. 
But I can't just tell you that Matsya is practically I don't know any person that will be Mitsu from a from from a woman. The 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 Taina if they own it as tenants in common. That, that, for sure. Oh. You don't have to hold tenancy in common fifty fifty. You can have seventy thirty, whatever. Yeah, well, for sure. For sure. If it's tenancy in common and I have come across cases where husbands have changed into tenancy in common. For various different reasons. Sometimes due to other debts they may have, sometimes due to the fact that um if one party wants to sell their half and it's a joint tenancy, you can't without the signature of the other. So there are various different reasons what we how, but it's, it's not so common. The, the, the chesoron, as I mentioned before, is all of this works if you say that when the husband purchases a home in joint tenancy, he knows what he's doing and he's doing Adas Kane, which legally is what happens because a lawyer has to explain to you what it means. Practically, like I told you, I've given the shiwans in a room of 100 people and asked them if it's held in joint tenancy or tenancy in common. No idea what I'm talking about. So to say all of them had das when they bought it, that this is what they're doing, it's not Gashmat. Unless they all heard it for a minute, nodded to the lawyer, moved on. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say this is Vada Pshat, which way round. I'm just saying practically, pragmatically, to come and be Moitzit from the, the Almona, you're going to have a very hard time. But what do you do with the bank account? What do you do with the joint bank account? Now, there's a safe at Mishvat Hatzavor. Where in the in the um, Hagdoma in in the Haskomas, there's Haskoma from Reb Ullman. Uh, those of you if you know Reb Ullman in in, in so he he doesn't write short Haskomas. Right? When he writes Haskomas on a sefer, he reads through the whole sefer and then he writes his R's almost on the whole sefer. He's got very very long uh, Hagdoma there on the subject of bank accounts and and. I'm not going to go through all of it now because it would take a number of shoes. Maybe some stage we'll go through it. But there's, there's, uh, we're missing Mark here, but there's a question really for the lawyers because legally, if a, a, a couple have a joint bank account and let's say that the, the man or woman is nifter, then there is nothing stopping the other one from writing out checks. Now, the reason for that, they argue, is because the banks want to protect themselves. Because the banks aren't given notice the second someone dies. And if it's a joint account, and the second someone dies, the other signature on the account carries on making transactions. Then in theory, if the, in, the estate of the nifter isn't the co-signatory on the account, then they could turn around afterwards and go to the bank and say, excuse me, you have no right to honor these checks or transactions, credit cards, swipes, whatever it may be, because Ba'etzem, the moment he died, or she died, we're the Yerushim, we didn't give permission, and this is fraud. And the banks have no interest in being in that position, because any time someone dies a joint bank account, they won't know for sometimes, I don't know how long, right? Uh, how many people here know of properties in people's names who were after however many years ago, and the banks have still no idea that the owners of the properties haven't been alive. But I don't know how long, and the mortgages kept, keep getting paid, and they're none the wiser. So they, they can't afford to be in a position where they're vulnerable. So therefore, in the small print, it says that it bets them if it's a joint account, one dies, the other one's entitled to carry on writing. It's not their problem. However, that does not mean that legally, if two people have a joint bank account, it's understood that it's like what we're saying, tenancy, joint tenancy, where both parties own the money 100%. I don't think that's what it means. What it means is that you have no recourse from the bank if, if one party carries on spending when the other one dies, even if they spend all the money, they liquidate their account. You've got no recourse. No one else, the state have no recourse. 
But I don't, I don't think it's not my story, and I've seen this, but again, I wouldn't mind if it was checked with a lawyer or a banker. I don't think that means that they're suggesting that the same way as a property and joint tenancy means it belongs to both 100%. A joint bank account belongs to, to each other 100%. I, I, I don't think that's, that's the case legally. I mean, legally, the inheritance means that as soon as the person dies, he belongs to the estate, even if the bank wouldn't have written this, even if the obvious... That's what happens with all assets of a person's lifter. It belongs to the estate, sure. No. Probate kicks in, etc. You need the, the trustee on the estate is the one who's going to sign the leases. Not having to do anything. Again, till you've organized probate, yeah. so there's no one who's in control here, but Etsam, legally, it belongs to the estate. Yeah. Well, who, who, do you, who, do you think, who do you think belongs to it? Hefka? They belong to the Now, there might be a dispute over who, who are the Yerushim, who are the beneficiaries. Is there will, not will? What happens? If someone dies without a will, then the, the, there are laws what happens, right? And so we've got halachas lahabdu what happens. But it's not Hefka. Unless someone's a gay with no children, then everyone has a relative. So, so it's not Hefka. It doesn't come Hefka just because they haven't written the estate. So, there's an estate. Now, what I'm being worried is if a person's lived on with money in a joint bank account, does that mean that whoever's the other signature in the bank account belongs to them 100%? I, I wouldn't have thought so. Now this can be very negative. Let's take it one step further. And here I think everyone would agree and then we'll see when we take it back if we take it back or not. It's not uncommon that you can have particularly by elderly almonos that for them to go out and use their, their you know the account is sometimes difficult. And sometimes they may have a next of kin, whether that's a child or a grandchild or a neighbor or whoever, who does a lot of shopping for them. And it has been known that sometimes that person becomes a signatory on their account. Because it's much easier. Someone who they trust and become a signatory on the account and they do the shopping. That way they can go and they can not I mean, yes with with tap nowadays you don't have to sign so you could just take their card, but you know, everyone feels more schmuck using a card that's got their name on it. Most people. Right, so so it's not uncommon that you can have a child or grandchild who puts a signatory on the account. Now, I think there's a difference between being having an account in joint names and having someone who's just given a card but not on the account or something. I don't know exactly the longest between them, but I think yes or yes, we have situations where. Sorry. I'm not talking about revenue. I'm talking from practical on the account. Sorry. Signature just means you have a right to spend money on the account, but it's not necessarily in your name, the account. No. Right. Now, now, as long as you have a situation where you have a... And the source of the money is not... Yeah, the source of the money, for sure. Now, let, let's say you have a case where you have a, a, an almona, old almona, 70, 80, 90, and she's got one child who lives locally in town with her, and she's put on the bank account. And no one's explained the difference between options of signature or whatever. Now, does anyone have a havamina? that the intention of this almona is that this one child, out of however many she may have, but the one who lives locally, all the money belongs 100% to the almona and to her child, to the exclusion of all the rest of the children. No one would have such a harmony whatsoever. We've had Dine Teira, where that child, just before the Petira, takes out a large amount of money from their account. Let's say a daughter... And she turns around afterwards and says, yeah, because I know that the, the Bonim, they're going to start coming on with all that, with Yoshim, Latoya, there is a will, not will, I, I don't. So my mother, you know, on the account, and my mother always said, you know, I can take money for myself if I want. 
Right? And so, Bertson, this is how I level the playing field. You know, I know they're about to start coming along with all their Londus, Yoshim, Atoya, English will work, doesn't work, so this is my chance to, you know. Yeah, but what do you mean? If, if the mother did say that, let, let's say she would, she would take, decide to take. By, by the way, first of all, again, you have any right that the mother said that, but second of all, if a mother says if you need something for yourself, feel free to use the account, it doesn't necessarily mean like a house. Right? I mean, what does that, what does that mean? So we always go to the minimum. What does that mean? It means you're going out shopping, you find a dress, you know, treat yourself. Or maybe it means a croissant. It depends on the mother. You know, I, I, I don't know, but it doesn't mean... Sorry? By the way, you said going through, who would have to bring a ride? She would. Because she's... She would need to bring a ride the mother told her. Yes, because... she's now. Because, no, because she's taken something which for Edson was the mother's, and now Arpidin Tori therefore will be the Yerushim's. We know she's taking it. It's not that we don't know anything. No, she's got no migos or anything. She didn't say her mother gave it to me. No, the mother told me I can take it. Okay, I'm not giving mamish calling because mamish depends on the nuances in the case, etc. But 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 at some, I, I think most people would hear that sounds a little bit pushing it, right? So and most people would understand that the fact that she was put on the account. Is in no way meant to be that the almana was to one of her children, fifty percent or equal hundred percent, if that's what's going on in the bank account, on her assets. Mehechetes is such a thing. Elamai, why was she put on the account? Because she needs to be able to spend things. She needs to be able to, uh, you know, do certain things in her name, whatever it may be. So if if everyone accepts that akimta, so now let's come to a husband and wife. When a husband and wife have a joint account. Now, here it depends which shul I'm giving this shi, whether everyone follows this transition or people look at me blankly. Right? That, 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 now, some people say, a husband and wife, whatever we own, we own it together. I once had a case where a person came to Bimasadze's estate um, and asked him, okay, so he's going through, he has a large portfolio, going through different properties. I said, okay, in whose name are these properties? Which is a question people sometimes, for some reason, think no one's going to ask them. Like, I'm talking, I want to hear to you, Masada, my estate. Okay, which assets? Okay. Are they all in your name? Ah, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> right, so, so then, whose name are they, etc. So, if, for example, property is all in husband's name and wife's name. So, well then, I can't just be Masada for you. Are they yours? Are they yours and your wife's? You know, what does your wife think, etc. You can sign stories in your name if your wife's not signing those stories, then we could just make the machlekes down the line. So we need to understand. So Hans asked him, so he said, okay, so most of his assets in his name and his wife's name, the certain assets which are only in his name came from Yerusha, from his father, and only in his name. I said, so whose would you say they are? So he pauses to think, and he says, if you'd ask my wife, she'd probably say, both of us. I said, why would she say that? I said, because I always tell her, everything, I'm out working all day, you know, she's bringing up our kids, and I, I said, listen, I'm doing all for both of us, right? all, all this mysterious never, you know, I'm working hard in the office, and you're just sitting at home bringing up the kids, right? I'm doing it for us, it's, it's all for us, everything we own belongs to us. So she'd probably say this belongs to both of us. I said, do you mind if we try? I said, no. So we call up the wife, and we ask her, I said, listen, there's certain assets, in your she knew that we were meeting, uh, certain assets in both your names, certain assets only in your husband's name, um, 
from your perspective, do you have any idea who they belong to? So she said, listen, I can only tell you what he's always told me. He's always told me, and he's busy sitting there, going, you know, he's on the loudspeaker. He's always told me they belong to, they belong, everything we have belongs to both of us. Now, you might have shies in Halacha. Okay, that's the end of the call, the end of that meeting. I'm just saying, you might have shies in Halacha because what made it belong to both? Right? If, for example, he yashed a property, and there were no Kinyonim done, he didn't put in anything's name, and what's, what made it hers? You can tell her what, she, what he likes. If he, what is it? He said, I hear. No, he's made it to me that he said it to her. Yeah? But if I ask him, were you any Kinyonim done? Adisa means I say this is hers. I, I was coining it for her. Or, or, or you know, it's Taka hers. He's not saying Betson, this property is hers. I asked him how he got it. He got it with Yerusha. And he put it in this particular company in his name, which Agav, all the rest, he put in joint names. This one he put in his name. So why did he put in his name, not joint names? Right? So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not passing now for that, that case, right? But, but sometimes, so the same thing when it comes to, to, uh, uh, um, joint bank, bank accounts, by many people will be posh that the reason we have a joint bank account is because it belongs to both of us. And maybe she puts in her wages or she puts in whatever, I put in my whatever, etc. For some couples where have joint bank accounts where all the money goes in from the husbands and goes out by the wife, right? And the wife, her wages go into her own bank account. Right, so go figure. Is it kavana that Be'etzim, this joint bank account belongs fifty-fifty? Al pi din? I don't know. No idea. And again, I'm not talking about an in, uh, um, what's it called um, instant account. What are they called uh, current account. Current accounts, you know, aren't, aren't the big shiders because most people don't have huge amounts of money sitting in their current accounts. But but now that we're getting back to the olden days where. It's actually worth having a savings account and, and interest gets paid and whatever it is. So if you have a joint savings account, is it poshut? Maybe, maybe you might argue that's more poshut that belongs to both. Because why did you put her name on a joint savings account? Bishle a joint current account because she's on, who's got the card and she's spending, etc. But joint savings account, why do you have to put it in her name? The answer might be for Sean Bias, but maybe for Sean Bias, therefore it belongs to both. Might be for tax. Now that, that's an interesting shayla. When we've discussed before, when you have a home in joint, in, in joint names, and you have businesses and companies in joint names, and, and assets in those companies in joint names, is that, uh, uh, do we look at them all the same? When Moshe Shlomach has a tshuva, which, which I hear very starkly is coming from, I think we mentioned it once before, where he says that there's a fundamental difference. If uh, uh, it's an uh, income, uh, uh, property that generates income and it's in joint names so as you say maybe because it's, it's more tax efficient doing it that way love does that mean that was his das um, Mashink in the home you live in you don't have to put into your name and your wife's name for tax necessarily especially at the time when you buy it when you're not thinking about inheritance tax and anything like that how many years before so there's a strong sad to be Mechalik and say that the home is because even the home by the way even the home if all the money comes from the husband and they purchase a home in joint, ta- in, in joint names, there are those who want to say, no, it's all the husbands. All the money came from him, it belongs to the husband. Uh, um, I, I heard this week, a, a, uh, last week, I heard, um, um, I was, uh, as a simcha in Manchester, so instead of giving the shir here, I, I had, you know, Cheshmisha, I'm sitting here, I had to get out, so I gave a shir in a Cheshmisha, a kale there and, in Manchester, and they told me um, that there's a, a, a certain dine who says that even Listen, listen to this scenario. I'm telling you as I was told it. If a couple purchase a home for their married son, 
right? It's a son and daughter-in-law, and the home that they're going to live in, they purchase a home for their married son, and they put it in their son's name entirely, it's poshut that the das really is that belongs to the couple. Nafti minute when they get divorced, if they get divorced. I, I, I humbly, strongly disagree. Right? I, I, by me, what I've had to fight before is the other way. When, uh, if a couple have a home purchased them by one parent, parents on one side, and they put it in joint name, there I've had some parents, if they get divorced, try to argue, even though we put it in joint name, posh that we really meant it should belong to our child. And that answer is nonsense, because if you wanted more child, you would have put it in his name or her name. And he didn't put it in joint name, so min Why did you do that? Because you thought they were going to stay happily married. Right, this is why some parents wait a few years before they actually put the name, house and child's name and they blame on other things, but really they're just, uh, you know, seeing how dust settles. But, but them the other way around, I, I'm no such havamina. I don't know of any other person who passed on that, that uh, parents put it in one child's name and Kavon is to be machne to both and you're going to be moitzi half from the child that's in their name and give it to the other one. On that alone, I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. Back upon him. So there, Moshe is saying that. And by the way, you shouldn't think this is a new um, Yiddish phenomenon. The Rajbo discusses purchasing properties in other people's names. What's really your das, uh, etc. You know, the, the, this is not a new concept. And 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 if sometimes you're doing it to protect it from your balichivas, so you're doing other people's names. If there are reasons to explain and justify, then sometimes we say no. Your kavana wasn't to give it as a matana. But where there aren't that many reasons to justify them, default position will say you're giving it as a matana. Just to come back to the, 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 the bank account. If we say that a joint bank account does not mean it's owned 50-50, right? So it goes both ways. When a, a husband's nifta first, so a wife doesn't yarshan a husband, but she will get the whole house if it's in joint tenancy, as we explained. So it depends. If you're looking at a bank account in joint names that belongs to both, so either you'd say she owns half because Mikhail already she owns half, or you'd say, Faket, the bank say that if it's in joint names, it's a bit like a house in joint tenancy and she get everything, which I, I don't think is the case, but I've heard it said. Or you'd say, Faket, it, it, it belongs to him 100%, a wife doesn't yarshan, the fact that the banks say if you use it, no one can do anything, that's to protect themselves. But that doesn't in any way give her any bias, and she won't get anything. She'll be entitled to be supported. You know, his estate has to support her. But, but Edson, she won't yarshan that money. The other way round, if there is money which is the wife's in a bank account, right? So if it's in a joint bank account and we say it was really the husband's, then he doesn't need to yarshan from her, it's his money. But if, let's say, it's in her bank account, then Pashas would go with the postkin that say that it's, it's called Roy, and the husband won't yarshan it. So the irony here is that on the one hand, we're being so stuck and saying that if you have a situation in, in, in even a first marriage where a wife writes a will on her estate, it won't work because she can't circumvent the husband. And yet if she's got money in her account... Even if she doesn't write a will, her husband won't get it. Because Betsem, it's Roy, and it'll, it'll go to her Yorishim. And if she's got sons and daughters, it'll go to her sons. Unless she's written a will. 
and uh, and that will can work on the on the on the money in the bank account because on that he doesn't have a schusim. So we we've we've widened the nets of the applications of, of some of these halachas to things which aren't so unheard of. And I, I'll just finish off with the the, the vote from Chaim Kanievsky, which you mentioned a number of times before. But you had the woman complaining that, that she was davening by her candlesticks for her child to an derech and and and. and you know, she was given her, uh, instructions from a baba somewhere that this is what she needed to do, and it wasn't working. She went to Chaim Kanievsky, and he said, "You have to check." Show me Amanera, and she. Well, I told the whole story before. But basically, she went and asked the Shaya, "What's he talking about?" And it came out that when her mother was Nifteris, she had only brothers, and her sisters and already had candlesticks from her parents, so she didn't even ask. It wasn't a Shaya; she got her mother's candlesticks, but she never asked them. Said Rechaim, but Betzim, so it's Geneva. So you're lighting by stolen candlesticks, and you've got tightness that your schusim aren't helping being much of your children. Uh, sometimes in these situations, there's assumptions made, you know, which, you know, obviously a mother's jewelry goes to her daughters. You know, posh it, right? Sometimes there's assumptions made without people actually making sure that they're careful to make sure it's working. Kudas again, if everyone's masking, everyone's masking. But sometimes questions aren't even asked, one has to be careful. We continue to